Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's talk about the RCMP. For 34 years, Gary Clement was an RCMP officer. He was a senior officer. He was an undercover officer. His life was threatened three times. One time, reading his book, there were two individuals who jumped up ready to take the contract on Gary Clement in a biker bar. And he was a, an RCMP officer at the time. Undercover officer. Gary Clement's book is Undercover, Inside the Shady World of Organized Crime and the RCMP. And his experience includes investigating the Chinese Communist Party's infiltration of Canada. But you talk to uh, the Chinese embassy, it never happened. Mr. Trudeau seemed to believe that. I'll be the rapporteur, okay? As well as his time, uh, Gary Clement's time as director of the RCMP's Proceeds of Crime program. And, uh, as I said, being undercover operator in some of the highest organized crime levels throughout Canada, as well as why he chose to leave the RCMP. Gary, thank you very much for coming on the program. It's good to talk to you. Thank you very much, Roy. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, listen, I, I read the book. I enjoyed it. I learned thank a lot. And it starts, the first sentence in the preface of your book, the RCMP is no longer fit for purpose. Can we start with that? Yeah, happy to, Roy. I mean, I look at where we're at today in society, and, you know, far too many people have rose-colored glasses on saying we've got to keep the RCMP. What they're failing to realize that we have this systemic problem in this country of an inability to take on transnational organized crime and major financial crime investigations. And that has continued to dissolve since in the last 15 years to a point where we are attractive to transnational crime. We're continuing to let the uh, Chinese, uh, uh, and I refer to them as uh, the Chinese Communist Party is waging a disruptive war on democracy. They continue to infiltrate this country very much like you our elections, how badly they've been, in my view, they've been compromised. I think if we don't get our act together, democracy is at stake as we know it. And the other side of it is that we're going to continue to see the impact of organized crime. And all you have to do is look at the fentanyl crisis. And I've said for the last five years, I don't buy for a second that the Chinese couldn't shut down the uh, number of drugs coming into this country. And yet it's pouring in here in leaps and bounds. To a point now where Canada is starting to take all of those chemicals and manufacturing fentanyl, and we're now an exporter of it. We are going to be the pariah amongst the five five eyes if we don't get our act together. I wanted to ask you, actually, about the five eyes and what uh, our reputation within that organization is. And I think you just told us. What I, what I found interesting as well, now I found your whole book fascinating read. Um, Undercover, Inside the Shadowy World of Organized Crime and the RCMP. Um, you had, uh, you talk about death threat very early in the preface, but your third death threat caused you great concern 
and you felt there was no real support from the RCMP in such events. And it was a biker gang meeting. You were in Ontario at the time, as I recall. A biker gang, uh, not a meeting, but just uh, at a bunch of guys at a bar. Somebody put, a, put out a $10,000 hit on you, and two individuals accepted it right away. Not one, but two. Well, you know, it's first of all, they, and, and just to correct on that, Roy, it was British Columbia where that that occurred when I was in Langley. Oh, okay. The, it, the, you know, the RCMP, and I mean, I, the, the one part that startled me as I went through these was when, you, at that time, when you looked up policies in the RCMP, a threat on a member was treated as the same as a threat on a government building. And I, I was shocked at that. And actually, when I went back to headquarters, I wanted to do something about it. And, I did put pressure on that we get some policies, but uh, it just, the RCMP just, you know, we were this paramilitary organization living uh, back in, in my view, in the 50s and 60s and not taking any of this seriously. You know, it was one of those old things, bucket up, soldier, and let's move on. And, you know, unfortunately, that uh, we, we all sort of bought into that, but it does have an impact and it pays a tremendous price later on in life. Yeah, I mean, I, you take it on a first-person account through your life in the RCMP, and it's it's amazing and frightening or alarming. But let's talk a bit further about organized crime and financial crime, including money laundering in Canada. Now, we've talked about this on the program uh, previously and other shows, Let's talk about this uh, financial crime and money laundering in this country. Who are the players, and what was your role to interdict their actions, and how did it turn out, Gary? Well, you know, the sad part of it is when I first got into it, that was the era where we actually, the RCMP actually had resources, and we, at the time that I got into it, I was working for a gentleman who's long retired, but a gentleman by the name of Rod Stamler, who I still think would have made one heck of a uh, commissioner, but he was way ahead of his time. And we we really took the the approach of taking on financial crime and using all the tools that were made available to us. And that led to the the formation of the Integrated Proceeds of Crime, which is the only way to tackle this. And what that means is that we had you know, law enforcement, uh, especially in Ontario and Quebec, from municipal and provincial forces. We had customs, we had tax, we had accountants, and we had lawyers all in one unit. And it worked, started to work effectively. And that was under a, an agreement with government that it was fence funds, which meant the money had to be spent on that unit. And there was an accounting every year to Treasury on that Treasury board. Sadly, uh, that went way of the dodo bird. The government didn't add any more money to it. Salaries went up and you started having vacancies. And then with the contract leasing, which is a uniform segment, as vacancies occurred in the contracts, federal resources had to go over to fulfill the contracts because they are that. You have a contract to meet. And sadly, um, it's led to where today that from what I understand, there's over a thousand resources short in federal policing, and instead of a thousand short, there should probably be an additional two thousand. And as a result, um, all you do is have to look at our sentencing provisions. All you have to do is look in the last five years, 
the major cases that have uh, fallen apart in court where they've taken on organized crime. And it seems the only thing that's effective right now that's working is civil forfeiture by the provinces, but that does not put the individuals or hold them to account. And we, but that makes us attractive. Uh, you know, organized crime looks at us and says, hell, if you want to do business, go to Canada. You're not, even if you get caught, the chance of going to jail are pretty slim and none. Mm-hmm. There's no enforcement. Uh, they know that. And we're in an era now where organized crime and transnational organized crime is very complex. The Chinese are walking all over us in big, big ways. And, you know, I was uh, reading today uh, an article of The Globe where they're talking about um, uh, the fact that FinTrack, who I think is doing a great job, but they're out there telling businesses to buck up and make sure they get their act together and make sure they report any suspicious transactions. I agree with her, the director, but... You know, it's like building a Rolls Royce. You got this great car. The engine that's going to drive it is prosecution and enforcement, and it doesn't exist. So we we got a half baked program. We're making financial institutions pay a fortune to uh, uphold the Proceeds Crime Money Laundering Act, and the government is has no commitment to this at all. I think it's an absolute shame. So, so Gary, uh, there's this attitude that I think that prevails. Well, organized crime's always been around. I've seen the Al Capone movies. Um, and it's not going to affect me. It's just the way it is. Uh, so so how does the China's uh, presence and uh, unwelcome and intrusive presence in Canada affect affect me? It's, it's there, but it's not going to affect me. A lot of people, that's the thinking. They don't take a look at the Sidewinder report. Um, and, uh, I mean, you write about Asian-based organized crime in your book. Which and and you found out about it while you were in Hong Kong, so so tell us please uh, put the lie to that position that it doesn't affect me, and then please share with us in the two and a half minutes we have left uh, a little bit about what life is like as an undercover officer. Well, thanks, Roy, and and I'll deal with the the transnational organized crime and and the Chinese first. To say it doesn't affect me, everybody's living uh, in a glass bubble. The reality of it is um, there's all very strong allegations out there that our elections have been compromised. I believe they have. I think if we were properly, if they were properly investigated, we could demonstrate they were. When it comes to transnational or just organized crime, all you have to do is wind your way back to the Charbonneau Commission that took place in Montreal. It showed how paving contracts, et cetera, et cetera, were costing municipalities you know, 25 to 30 percent more because organized crime was involved. That's coming out of everybody's pocket. And I recall back in the 80s, there was, um, I believe it was the Globe and Mail did a story about how much it costs every man, woman, and child for organized crime activity. And I, I may stand to be correct on this, but I think it was around $600. And I believe that's probably, uh, it's a lot more than that. If you look at just the fentanyl crisis, which is, perpetrated by the Chinese disruptive war that they've got, figure out how it's collapsing our health system, figure out that we've lost 103,000 individuals since 2021. The cost to this country is enormous. So, yeah, it, it, it's really impacting us. Life of an undercover operator, Roy, it's, um, you know, it's not what you see on TV. It's, uh, you actually have to accept that you're a tool of the RCMP. Uh, 
Uh, you're there for the eyes, your eyes and your ears, and you've got to spend copious hours making notes after you meet people. You put yourself in situations, and you know a lot of people say, "Well, it's far more dangerous than uniform." I don't buy that. We, at least, what we're going into most of the time, we've done our background on it and have some understanding of it. But yeah, anything can go sideways in an instant. So you become probably a very good actor. The difference is you don't get take one, take two. It's one shot, do a good job. And I always said, though, that um, even if you got found out of being a cop, most individuals aren't going to kill you, even if they've sold you drugs or whatever, because it's, you're going to do a lot more time. But as I show in my book, I did suffer some consequences for being uh, found out. And, and uh, yeah, you do. You, you never know. Yeah. I just have time for a yes or no answer. Canada is a source of fundraising for Hamas, yes or no? Yes. Gary, thank you so much. I really appreciate talking to you. I hope we can do it again. I hope so. Thanks, Roy. This is important for the country. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.